Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Well, good morning. I'm excited to be bringing you a word this morning. Matt is not kidding. He does ask me to preach multiple times a year. And while I love studying the word and the writing and the preparing, the whole standing up here and delivering it still feels a little scary to me. (laughs) Although I heard this morning, it was a great reminder, that I am not a slave to fear and that I am a child of God. Do you ever feel like a worship song is just for you? That really stood out to me this morning. But at least once a year, I do enjoy the opportunity to speak to you as a group. I enjoy kind of seeking the Lord in a new way and trying to feel out what are the needs of our congregation and our community. And it's a moment that I get to share from my heart, which I just have to tell you, I don't want to let this opportunity slip by to say we are so, so grateful to be placed in this community of believers. You are so gracious and so kind, and your hunger for the Lord is authentic and inspiring, and you participate in giving and growing the kingdom. And we truly believe that a healthy, united church Pursuing the things of God can change lives, can change families, and can change our city. So we're just thankful, thankful, thankful to be part of this with you. Thank you specifically to all of the moms in the room. We want to say happy Mother's Day. I always, always say a strong church needs strong women. And boy, do we have some of the best. Honoring women is something that historically has actually set the church apart. Most ancient societies looked down on women or did not include them or at least limited their participation. But praise God that Jesus stepped in and changed that narrative for his church. I'm so grateful for my own mom. She's a remarkable person, as many of you know. She and my dad raised my siblings and I in church. We were always in church. We were the last to leave. I have fond memories of playing clubhouse under the lobby tablecloths and running full speed through the halls with my friends. I remember not being allowed on the stage or in the sound booth. That's still true today. And I remember kids' church and my youth group years, and I just have a really special place in my heart for the kids that are being raised in church. I think it's so essential. But there is one experience that a lot of church kids have had, but I actually have not had for myself, although my older brother has. Uh, There is this one Wednesday night, and as usual, we were one of the last families to leave. So I'm in the car, headed home with my mom, and she gets a call from my dad. And they discover on that call that both of them thought the other had taken Josh home that night. (laughs) Has anyone else left a child somewhere? Or perhaps been left? You've been the child? Uh, 
it happens, you know? So we went back, pulled in the parking lot, all the lights were off, and there he was sitting in the vestibule waiting to get picked up. In good health, we picked him up, brought him home, and he recovered from it, right? Yeah, yeah, he's good. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure every family has stories like this. And parents, you really don't need to feel bad because Jesus' parents left him for three days. Three days. And isn't it hilarious that they included that in the Bible? Nothing else about his childhood or his upbringing. I'm sure Mary loved that. Oh yeah, they left him in the busiest city at the busiest time of year. That's like Christmas in New York City. Three days. Jesus had a Home Alone 2 story before Kevin McAllister. And I think the writers of the Bible knew that parents would need to cut themselves some slack and have grace for themselves. And sometimes, and this is what I want to address today, we treat God the Father like a parent that left us behind. Or worse, we behave like we've been abandoned on purpose. Forgetfulness is part of being human, but God is not forgetful. In our humanity, we forget the things we want to remember, and way too often we remember and hold on to the things we want to forget. My message this morning is called Forget-Me-Nots. It's cute because Forget-Me-Nots are a flower, and how appropriate is that for Mother's Day? But it's relevant because I think we've got a memory problem. We're fallible. And too often we try to hide those shortcomings from God. Or we forget to come to him. Or we come to him, but we plaster our real feelings and our real experiences with God is good. Praise him. And we can be emotionally dishonest with God. Because we're so afraid to tell him where our disappointments are. Or where we're hurting. Or maybe we're embarrassed that we're arriving at the end of our own capabilities. And this isn't a new thing. It's not a first world problem. There were people all over the Bible wrestling with deep pain and deep struggle. And over and over again, we see them ask God, remember me, don't forget me, hear my prayer, don't send me away. I've been reading in the Psalms lately, and the author, King David, I mean, chapter over chapter, he is really going through it. And it starts to seem like every single chapter, he's begging God to remember him and to hear him. The entirety of Psalm chapter 38 is titled, Do Not Forsake Me, O Lord. And forsake means to abandon, to leave behind, to give up, very similar to forget or neglect or to leave out. And it reminded me of this past Easter. I was sitting here like many of you and Matt made a note of kind of a lesser known character from the Easter story, the thief on the cross. And I don't know if any of you remember his prayer, but he prayed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
Another character in the Bible, Nehemiah, asked God four times to remember him as he helped his people rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Finally culminating in Nehemiah 13.31, where he says, Remember me, O my God, for good. Samson, a hero of great strength, who had received and lost the favor of God in his life, prayed a remember me prayer at the end of his life. O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once. Jeremiah the prophet prayed, remember me and take notice of me. And each of these were on the cusp of something very dramatic and potentially devastating or trying to do something meaningful and purposeful in the face of life or death scenarios, suffering, trial, and trouble. But here on Mother's Day, I want us to turn to the story of a mom, a mom who asked God to remember her a mom who came to the end of her own capabilities, put her situation in the Lord's hands, and saw him move on her behalf. So if you will turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 in your phone or in your Bible, and if you need a hint, it's right after the book of Ruth, where we've been the last two weeks. We are going to look at the story of Hannah. Hannah was a woman who deeply desired children, but year by year she didn't have any. And at this point where we're dropping in on her story, she has literally stopped eating because of how sad she is. And we'll start reading her prayer in chapter 1, verse 11. It says, O Lord, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. O Lord, if you will, look, remember, and not forget. And I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like that, but I have. Hannah did the best thing she could have done in her circumstance. She brought her struggle in honesty to God. So the first thing I want you to take away, point number one this morning, is remember God. Do not separate your negative emotions from your father. Do not come to God and say, praise you, bless you, and then leave and go into a different space to face your struggle and your sorrow and your disappointment all alone and then try to only come back to God with your happy feelings. You are never alone. We're not meant to process our lives on our own. The heart of, the God, of God the Father has always been relationship with his people. He came to us in the humanity of Jesus to relate with us and understand us. The Spirit of God came to be with us 24-7. Jesus said he would send a helper, and that's the Holy Spirit. So stop processing your pain alone. If Jesus asked the Father for help in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the face of his betrayal and abuse and death, 
how much more permission do you and I, in our weakness, have to ask for help? Pain can be really lonely. It's a really lonely place. Parenting can be lonely. And all of us in our humanity, we have limitations. So we need to stop being ashamed of our limits. Dependence on God is not our shame. It is our honor as his children. Psalm 92.13 tells us that the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. Paul, the author of much of the New Testament, once petitioned God, well, it says many times, petitioned God to remove a weakness, and he wrote down God's response to his request. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then we get to hear Paul's conclusion. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. To be content with weakness, you have to remember God. You have to know that you can depend on him. And it is your honor to need him. So let's continue with Hannah's story. It says, Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli, the priest, took her to be a drunken woman. And he said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. There's a great note in here about being misunderstood. It might be one of my least favorite feelings. Um, I don't know if you've ever put almond extract on the grocery list and then found that your husband picked up whole almonds. And he didn't even ask you about it. He just put them away in the pantry as if I could extract what I needed from them. <laughs> Misunderstandings happen. And people will misunderstand you even as you pursue God. But their response is not your responsibility. And that's not a main point today. That's just free. So then Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went on her way and ate, hallelujah, and her face was no longer sad. When she turned to God, God, please remember me. The sorrow of her circumstance left before the solution came. The sorrow left 
before the solution came. And I think that's what faith does. Faith allows us to trust God with what we can't control. And then to be on our way, to eat without sorrow, and to live without constantly carrying the tension of our trouble. So point one, remember God. And point two, carry on. You can carry on without what you're carrying. When Hannah brought her honest request to God, it broke the tension that she was carrying. I love Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. And the word still there is rapha, which translated can mean to be weak, to let go, to release, or to slacken. And I think some of you are struggling under the stress of trying to be strong all the time. Some of you are in here starving under the sorrow of your circumstance. Some of you are exhausting your energy, trying to keep up an illusion of control and striving to know it all. And some of you came to church this morning and your kids couldn't find their shoes and the dog peed on the floor and your keys weren't where you left them and you had an argument in the car on the way here and by the time you pull into this parking lot, you've got all this stress and you're carrying this tension in your shoulders. I don't know if you carry your tension in your shoulders, but mine sits right up here. And whether it's the religion in us, or the pride in us, or maybe it's the fear of our own limitations, but we get on this hamster wheel where we keep hearing, run harder, do more, try more, be better. And I need you to know this morning, that's not what God sounds like. God sounds a lot more like Eli. Now, Eli was human, first he misunderstood, but when he revised his statement, he said, go in peace. And the God of Israel, grant your petition that you have made him. And I just want to take a moment here to kind of allow you to release whatever stress you might be carrying. So if we could all close our eyes. Let's close our eyes. Imagination is a gift from God to us. And just take a deep breath. All right, take another. I want you to imagine God approaching you. And let him look into your eyes. There's no shame, no condemnation. And with your two hands, I want you to imagine that you've got your fists tightly closed around any problem, the stress, whatever trouble you're in. And you can just open your hands, offer it to God, and let the tension break. Okay, you can open your eyes. Honesty before God 
can make the sorrow of your circumstance leave before the solution comes. And for all of our struggles, for all of our human forgetfulness and our distancing from God, God remembers us. Point three, God remembers us. To be remembered by the creator of the world is a remarkable thing. In Hannah's story, verse 12, again, chapter one of 1 Samuel, it says, and the Lord remembered her. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So God remembers us. We forget God, but God remembers us. He remembers every promise he's made. He remembers every struggle. He remembers every purpose that he created in you from before you were even born. He remembered when he asked Nehemiah to rebuild the walls, and therefore he protected him, he strengthened him, and he brought him people to help accomplish the mission. He remembered when he destined Samson to be used mightily for his people and filled with the spirit that he might protect his people from their enemies. He remembered Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He remembered the thief on the cross who recognized Jesus for who he was and invited him into paradise. And he remembered Hannah. He gave her children, plural, not only Samuel the prophet, but three more sons and two daughters, and a significant place in the history of God's people. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten your kids, and God has not overlooked your prayers. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is your Lord and Savior, if you have been redeemed and restored to the family of God, then you are invited to the house of God. Remember, the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. And this may be an obvious statement, but it was kind of a revelation to me. God doesn't pray for us. Prayer is talking to God, right? Does God need to talk to God? Does God ask for things? No, God declares things over us. God's spoken word is creative over our lives. When he speaks, it creates. When he says it, it's true. When we pray, will we align to what is true? Will we agree with what he said? And here are a few of the things that God says about you. You are chosen. You are designed with purpose. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are seen, and you are not forgotten. 
And here's something that I think is really cool about all of this. When we ask God to remember us, we are in fact remembering God for ourselves. And I think prayer often transforms us even while we're petitioning God to change the circumstance. Prayer often transforms us even while we petition God to change our circumstance. Would you stand with me as we close? Today I want to encourage you, pray more remember me prayers. Build trust and transparency with God. Bring him your real feelings, your real experiences, your real disappointments. And accept how much you need him. When you are weak, then you are strong, and you are planted in the house of God. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you invite us in, that you invite us in honesty, that you welcome us in our pain and our struggle and our doubts as we try to honor you. And God, we do ask that whatever we're going through, please remember us, help us, revive us. You are our healing and our direction. Speak to us. We trust in you. We submit our lives to your way. And God, in our weakness, we lean on your strength. Help us to accept our neediness and our dependence on you, that you would be lifted up in our lives. And God, I pray that you would just bless every family here today, every person here today. God, I pray a special blessings on the moms, on the women, that every mother, grandmother, sister, aunt, friend, that they would just know that they are seen by you. And I pray that Christ would just be well represented in his church. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.